Welcome to Launchpad, the unique radio show and podcast that celebrates new book releases and the authors that created them. Now, let's take off with your host, Grace Salmon. This is Launchpad. Welcome to Episode 30 with Shelley Blanton-Stroud, Laura L. Engel, Anne-Marie Jackson, and Sandra L. Young. I'm so excited today to welcome these authors because from memoir to murder, with messages and sightings from the world beyond, poignant stories and some very tough choices, with stories of self-discovery and solving riddles of the heart, we're going to dive into each of these authors' books with some wonderful interaction uh, between the authors. So thanks for joining us here on Launchpad. On behalf of myself, Grace Salmon, and Mary Helen Sheriff, the author marketing coach. Shelley Blanton-Stroud has written multiple books. We're going to be talking about all of them today. Laura L. Engel with You'll Forget You Ever uh, This Ever Happened, Anne-Marie Jackson with Broken Hummingbird, and Sandra L. Young with a book that is just coming out as well as some others. So welcome to each and every one of you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Hi, Grace. <laughs> Shelly, let's start with you. Tell us about your newest book. Well, this is Poster Girl. It's the final of the Jane Benjamin trilogy of historical mysteries. Uh, this one is set in 1942 in the Richmond, California shipyards. And my main character is a cynical young gossip columnist named Jane Benjamin, who's aiming for a national byline. So she volunteers to find a picture-perfect Wendy the Welder poster girl, but then two of her top choices die, and Jane's got to choose between mm -hmm. personal ambition and service before the murderer kills another girl and America's best chance of winning the war. So there's mystery, there's a lot of history, there's a lot of feminism in it, and I had a fantastic time writing it. Oh, I'm going to want to hear more about that because writing for many of us is not always a fantastic time. <laughs> so more about that in a bit. Laura L. Engel, you'll forget this ever happened, a memoir. Well, I never dreamed I would write this story. I always wanted to write a book because I was such an avid reader since I was a tiny little girl and learned to read my first book. But I didn't know this would be the story I would write. And um, in 2016, I had retired. I was taking some classes because I wanted to write a family history. What happened was my son, who I had given up for adoption when I was 17 years old in an unwed mother's home in New Orleans, had been the deepest, darkest secret of my life because I had been so ashamed and so um, full of guilt over the whole thing. And I had mourned the loss of that son for almost 50 years. And he found me through Ancestry mm -hmm. DNA. And it was like one of the biggest miracles in my life. So one day my husband said, honey, you're working on that family history, but this is your story. And I said, I can't write about that. It's too painful. And he said, well, just write it for yourself. And I started writing in my journal the story I'd never written. And the more I wrote, the more I remembered. And then I started going to some memoir classes. And I realized this, what I'm writing in my journal could be a book. So that's how my book came to be. And it has led me to so many different things. And it's been such a wonderful adventure. And I had some hard times writing it, but I also loved writing it. it it's uh, from my heart. Oh, 
we'll definitely have to focus on the joy of writing. Now, Anne-Marie Jackson, with a wonderful title for a book, Broken mm-hmm. Hummingbird. Tell us about it. My pleasure, Grace. Thank you. Uh, the Broken Hummingbird is a novel that really wrestles with both marital dissolution and cultural dissonance as it follows one woman's struggle to truly know her new country and her own heart. It's about an American couple, Jane and Kevin, who are in the middle of a marital crisis, and they get this crazy idea that by finally fulfilling their dream to live abroad, they might somehow save their marriage. But of course, wherever you go, there you are, and they bring their problems with them. But there's an important secondary storyline as well. In San Miguel, the city they've chosen to move to, um, Jane gets very involved with a nonprofit that helps families living in poverty. She's looking both for a distraction from her um, dissolving marriage, and she has a sincere desire to help. But she gets overly wrapped up in one particular family's life and soon comes to wonder whether her bumbling efforts to help may be doing more harm than good. And at about this point in the story, she starts having these strange, vivid dreams about a hummingbird of all things as well. And so these three strands of the story, the dissolving marriage, the mission she gives herself to help this other family, and her own dreams and childhood memories start to intertwine in very unexpected ways, hopefully pulling the reader along to the dramatic conclusion. And just briefly, did you enjoy writing it? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> well, let's move on to Sandra L. Young, who has a book just out and several, uh, another one. But I love your genre, romance, historical mystery with a little bit of ghostly sizzle. Sandra L. Young, tell us about your book. <laughs> oh, yes. The De- Divine Vintage was my debut. And that one came out in 2022. And it's being followed by, uh, as you said, a release coming out the sequel on February 5th. But Divine Vintage features uh, Tess Burton. She is the owner of a new vintage clothing shop and she models an Edwardian trousseau gown. Well, it opens her mind to channel a century old murder, but she sees it differently than local history. So she convinces the hunky yet skeptical descendant of the accused murderer (laughs) to join her and they find that they can both dive into the past visually to figure out who actually murdered this Edwardian bride and while they know emotions from the past have pulled them together they fear that they're going to derail their relationship as well and following that as I said, the the uh, sequel, you can see I'm doing this theme of the dresses, vintage dresses. Divinely Dramatic has a 1966 uh, vintage mystery, and that one's set in a community theater. So someplace you're very familiar with. We'll talk about <laughs> each of your other lives as well. Shelley, let's go back to you. This is um, Poster Girl is the last in a series. So give us a little window into the first two. Uh, the first book is Copy Boy, and in that one, and when I wrote Copy Boy, I really didn't know. I thought it would be a standalone. I didn't know it would be a series. I set it in 1937, and I began my character's arc with a story that came from my father's real life experience when he was a 12 year old child, 
and uh, was working, picking cotton before school and after school and living in a tent near an irrigation ditch with his family. Um, in the middle of the night, the mother from the tent next door uh, came out and asked my dad, who was 12, and his best friend, her son, if they would get rid of her husband. And her husband was an alcoholic and had been taking all the family's earnings from picking cotton and spending it on alcohol and other women and so on. And he was drunk. He was putting them at risk. And so my dad and the other 12-year-old boy dragged the drunken father into the back of an old jalopy. My dad had never driven a car before, but they got the car going and drove 30 miles down the highway and pulled his best friend's dad out of the back seat and left him by the side of the road and drove back to the their tent encampment. It was a Hooverville. And um, it was very, very upsetting. And then the next morning when my dad and his nine siblings awoke, um, the other tent was gone. And he never saw his best friend or that family again. They had taken off after the father was sort of disposed of and my father will tell you and does tell people if you want to know who I am you need to know that I did that when I was 12 years old so copy boy began by my exploring that family story as well as others and then it just turned into something else when my main character was no longer a young boy my main character was a 17 year old girl who winds up escaping this uh, crime uh, to San Francisco and cuts off her hair, dresses like a boy and gets her job during the Great Depression as a copy boy at a big newspaper. So that's how it all sort of starts. Oh my goodness, that may be one of the best parent <laughs> stories I have ever, ever heard. And Laura L. Engel, you know so much about parenting from different angles. Let's go back uh, to you to kind of uh, there's a theme here I think of people finding their heart that's certainly true in Anne Marie's book and Shelley's book and uh, somewhat in Sandy's book but Laura your story is very much about finding your heart and parenting Mm -hmm. tell us more um well I didn't realize until I wrote my book so many things about myself which I think is true of all authors um it's like the more I wrote the more I realized how that story all evolved um, because I, because I couldn't really talk about it with anyone because back in those days, nobody talked about what was happening to you. If you were a, a pregnant, unwed teenager, you know, it was just something that was taboo and, and uh, such a different time. And I began to realize when writing my book that there were so many things, you know, synchronicities that happened along the way that made this whole thing happen. And one of them was my, I had this uh, relationship with my mother that was uh, pretty tattered and torn. My mother had many issues. And I kind of became the mother to my little brothers in many ways, when she was unable to be. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of my voice is going, but um, I was so, um, I was kind of amazed at how I'd always throughout my life been a mother 
to so many people, even to my uh, mother, <laughs> if that makes sense. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, I realized, you know, here I have this child who I'm, I'm too young, really, I guess, to handle being a mother, maybe. But at the same time, I wasn't even given, you know, a choice in that situation, which was very common in the 1960s. You know, you, they didn't ask you how you felt about it. You were told you're going to do this and you did it. And I began to see all these things as I wrote my book. I'd always, being a mother had been so important to me and I didn't even realize it. After having to give up my son, I had married the first person that asked me who was um, terribly wrong for me. But when you're only 18 and you've been through the traumatic experience I had, I felt like I was, you know, damaged goods. I married him and ended up having three more sons. So I had four sons within eight years and um, they have been the joy of my life. But I just, parenting has always been so important to me. And I did realize when I was writing my book, how much that had mattered to me and how that was my most important thing in my life had been my children and still is, and now 10 grandchildren. But um, not that I have, I have other stuff going on too, believe it or not, but that has been my, (laughs) yeah, that's been my focus. Anne-Marie, you talk very much in your um, book about knowing your own heart and saving yourself. Talk more about that as a theme for you. Sure. Well, my book actually started out as a memoir rather than a novel. And that was very constricting because there were so many people I was afraid of hurting, um, first of all, my own children and other family members. And so at a certain point, I decided to turn it into a novel. And that was absolutely liberating. Then anything could happen. And I changed a lot of names to protect the innocent. But it was still a very therapeutic process to tell this story. And I think it connects with a lot of women who have been through an unhealthy relationship or have had to struggle to find a way out of a bad marriage. And and that was one of the powerful impetuses for writing this book. I think I also was motivated by watching a lot of other women I know among my own friends and in my community really handle with an incredible amount of grace all of these challenges that the midlife years seem to throw at us, whether it's, you know, problems with a partner or it could be problems with a child or an aging parent or any number of things that these years throw at us. But some women seem to really handle that with a sort of transformational power with an incredible amount of grace and strength. And I wanted to explore and honor that. And I also wanted to look at the power of female friendships. Um, The protagonist in the book not only has to build up her own strength, but she really relies on the strength of her friends. And the sisterhood is indeed very strong here in San Miguel. So that that was a big motivation for me. Fabulous. Sandy, with your book, You know, you have crimes of passions. You've got a diary with confessions. You have this amazing vintage clothing. How do you weave that all together? (laughs) It's sometimes I feel like it's almost a quilt that, um, Mm. you know, I I piece it together. And the interesting thing about these books, a series of three, which I just kind of sat down and these stories poured out of me a few years ago. Now, I didn't know at the time they weren't very good. There was a great kernel <laughs> there, but, you know, the writing, I've improved much over the years. This is, I'm sure many of us have. 
But uh, I also just, you know, added to it as I went along and they weren't mysteries at the beginning. Tess knew exactly what happened. She saw who did it and she knew she had to just convince people. And I said, I love mystery. Why aren't these books mysteries? So then <laughs> I went back into my quilt, my patchwork or my puzzle, as you might say, and I built in the mystery and I built in suspects. And then I built in a social justice aspect with uh, homelessness because I'm, I'm very much a, uh, you know, support people, people's rights in, in the world. And uh, it, these things are important to me. I ran new nonprofits. So in each of these books, there's also kind of a, a social justice or a more serious issue uh, that's being dealt with as well. And those were just pieced in. So I probably made it harder on myself because I didn't write these as just a, a narrative. I started out with this, you know, fun story and then built in these uh, stronger components and sometimes and more serious components, actually, for a real mix. It is a quirky mix. Well, I'm fascinated <laughs> that you decided, oh, wait, this should be a mystery. Or in uh, Anne-Marie's case, wait, it shouldn't be a memoir. It should be a novel. Now, both of you were very involved in uh, nonprofit work. Um, Sandy, you were talking about your work in terms of homelessness. Anne-Marie, talk a little bit about yours, because you talked about it as part of your novel, but in real life, you're also, right? Yes, there's a very strong connection there as well. I've had the good luck to live in San Miguel de Allende in central Mexico for over a decade. And I think it's important when you have this opportunity to live, you know, a wonderful quality of life to find a way to give back. And so for me, that's been through several different routes. Um, I co-founded an organization called Mano Amiga that does micro-lending for women. And we focus on women because they have the most restricted access to affordable credit. And they also have been proven around the world in micro-lending programs to be incredible investments. Women give back to their families, they grow their businesses, they spend that money well. And so we're really proud of that. We've done almost 100 microloans at this point, and it's incredibly impactful. I was also for a number of years the vice president of another organization called Casita Linda, which is very similar to Habitat for Humanity, which most people are familiar with. Um, we build homes for families who don't have one, and we just finished our 150th home, which is an incredible milestone for us. That so that's been sort of... <laughs> That's been a really entry into the community for me here. It's been a way to give back, but also a way to further integrate myself. And I've really enjoyed that work. Well, I think many of us who do volunteering know that we probably get way more than we receive yes. when we do that work. And Shelley, you've been a consultant, but you also do some writing with the nonprofit. Am I correct on that? That's right. I'm the president of the board of an organization called 916 Inc in Northern California. And we create creative writing workshops for our youth, for mm -hmm. grade school through high school students. And they'll get a 12 week class where they meet um, every week and they get the opportunity to use their own voice. And at the end of the period, we have a, we have a launch and we have all of the students in a, in a workshop we publish their work, 
in a little collection that's professionally done and beautiful covers. Then we have a launch party and we have paparazzi and their families come and celebrate and they do readings in front of the microphone. And one of the things I love most about it is it's not at all about teaching the right and wrong way to write. It's not about correct being correct. The emphasis of 916 Inc. is to teach children that they have a voice and they have a right mm -hmm. to use the voice that they that is inside them. And even more than that, that they have an obligation to speak up uh, about what their truth is. And it's been a, just a, an incredibly gratifying thing for me to be involved in. I'm very proud of it. I love each of these connections. Laura Engel, you're a part of the International Memoir Group, a Women's Writers Guild. Tell us about that. Yes, I had the pleasure of being president for four years of the uh, International Memoir Writers Association. We um, had been at that time San Diego Memoir Writers Association, another nonprofit. And I had um, just such a great experience with that. I'm still a member, of course. I, um, what we do is we, the association has meetings and uh, classes for writers all throughout San Diego. We provide many free services. We have um, all kinds of exciting things that happen during the year. We're part of the San Diego Writers Festival. We're, you know, their biggest sponsor. And actually we've just kind of combined our, our um, organizations there. And then also we have a show every year called the Memoir Showcase. <clears throat> and what members do is they submit their work and 30 pieces or it's five pages and there's always a theme. We um, have them submit their work and then the top 10 have their scenes acted out on stage by professional mm -hmm. actors every year in December. And the top 30 are put in, are published in the next anthology because we have an anthology every year with a different theme. It's so exciting and everyone loves it. And we do other things like that too. It's just been a great uh, thing to do for the writing community here in San Diego. Sandy, you had mentioned uh, work with homelessness. Uh, are there other nonprofit works? I know that you've been heavily involved in nonprofits. I previously ran a healthy communities initiative and we worked on a variety of issues spanning from literacy to community transportation to um, uh, health definitely and tobacco control. Then I moved to a community foundation for the county and we gave worked on scholarships grants. That's where I ran a coalition that worked on the issue of homelessness and helping those at risk in the community. And right now I did retire early to write, but right now I'm part of a, a group that's putting together the initial guidelines for a tiny houses community that we can get some of these people housed. And I'm also the president of uh, Arts uh, Arts in the Park. It's uh, We do free concerts in the summer. I'm past president of our service league for volunteerism. So it's great to hear everybody talk about the wonderful volunteerism mm -hmm. they, do, they do because it really rounds us out as, as people mm -hmm. that, you know, that comes into our writing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where I wanted to go next. So thanks for that segue. I love that you all have such 
interesting, diverse lives before and after your books. Shelley, let's go back to you. You've got the three books. You mentioned Hedda Hopper in one, which I absolutely love <laughs> because you have to be a woman of a certain age to know who Hedda <laughs> Hopper was. Um, so uh, why historical fiction? How does that rub up against you and how does that change who you are? I think I began it as a, you know, with Copyboy, I began really wanting to make sense of my own family's experience. And then, I mean, there were so, I mean, there were decades of my doing research into, before I knew there would be books, it, doing research into the, the Dust Bowl, the Great Depression, wanting to know how, what shaped my parents and their families. And there were certain issues that came up in the research, you know, the historical research as well as the artistic research that really were uh, pivotal in my both sides of my family. Um, among them was uh, something that my father talks about quite a bit still is the idea of grit or resilience. He will argue to you that having the resilience to get through terrible, terrible times is what made him someone who was capable of then, you know, growing up in a tent, but getting a PhD and being the superintendent of schools for his county and things like that. And yet I was always aware at the same time that maybe the requirement that a child have grit and resilience has a flip side that isn't so good and that can ruin someone as in many ways, my mother was a victim of polio during those time periods. And I think that you could say she's very much defined by having been a victim of polio that prevented her from doing many wonderful things she might otherwise have done. So it was kind of like a steeping in that historic time and the personal troubles that come out of it that set me on the path of wanting to find out the connections between what happened historically and what happens universally still all over the world to all kinds of people. Um, and that's the real joy in it for me. The fact that by digging into history, I learned something about my own life now. Oh, great. And Laura, your story took you to a place that you didn't expect. And, um, I've had the privilege of reading your book, and I thought it had such a happy ending until it didn't. Mm -hmm. Talk about how the writing of the book and the shift at the end changed who you are. Okay. Um, the writing of the book really changed who I was. I was going through a, a beautiful honeymoon with a son who I had never been around the whole time. He, I did, had no idea where he went because in those days it was a closed adoption for 50 years, I had mourned him, and he came into my life and was accepted by my family. My husband was wonderful. My children, who knew nothing about him until it happened, all were just, you know, welcome arms. I wrote my book. I wanted my book to have, even though it began as a book I was only going to be writing about the reunion, I ended up going backwards into how it all happened and writing about the, the home because there were so many people that were shocked when I told them about the home. They had never even heard of such, the younger generations. So I, I ended up explaining how it all happened and why it happened. And anyway, my son was so happy, my oldest son. He, you know, he was part of our family and he was still back in Louisiana. He had been adopted by a family there. He's actually, when I met him, an assistant attorney general 
for the state of Louisiana. And he had been a very successful person in many ways, but he had many um, issues. And as you remember in my book, my mother had many issues with depression and um, he seemed to be a lot like her and have, you know, DNA, it, it was amazing to watch so many things within him that were from us, my family, and not only the way he looked, the way he spoke and acted and the things he loved. Um, he was going through a really rough time in the last year I, I was uh, finishing my book. And after I signed with the publisher, he took his own life six weeks later. I didn't even think I could publish the book. I thought I can't, my book ends on such a happy note. I can't, I can't publish this. And fortunately, I had some great advice from a few other authors, one in particular. And she, she said, I know your book's going to help people. And I think if you write an epilogue, you'll feel better about publishing it. And I said, I can't write that. It's too painful. And she said, just write it from your heart. It does not have to be full of details, but you'll feel better. The story's the truth. So I did. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I felt better. But yeah, I had a lot of things change with within me while I wrote it. And then afterward, after that, but I feel good about it now because I've been told by so many, it's helped them, not only adoptees, birth mothers, and also um, now with the suicide um, part of it. Absolutely. Anne-Marie and then Sandy, how have your books changed you? Oh my goodness. Well, this is my first one. And as I mentioned, it started out as a memoir. So it was very therapeutic and very liberating because once you've put all your issues out there, there's nothing to hide anymore. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. And so that was very powerful. Um, Also, it's motivated me to um, work on some issues related to the book. I didn't mention earlier when I was talking about two nonprofits that I've been involved in that there's actually a third project that I included at the end of the story because it's related to themes in the book. And it's called the Healing Words Project. It grew out of a national protest here in Mexico in March, 2020, against violence against women and against femicide specifically. And an artist friend of mine started writing on women's chests and arms, themes from the protest Slogans like, yo si te creo, yes, I believe you, or ni una mas, not one more. And it was so powerful for these women to be photographed with these slogans. At the same time, I happened to be involved in a flash mob that a women's empowerment organization was putting on. And so we put the two projects together and we wrote the names and ages of women who'd been killed by their partners on all of the dancers' bodies. And this artist photographed us while we were performing. And after that, the project just exploded. People were stopping her in the street to participate. And so I've included details about that in the book for people to join. Well, our writing certainly changes us. Sandy, bring us home and tell us about (laughs) how your writing has changed you. My life has just broadened so much. It's, it's just been a, an incredible journey. And 
a lot of that is getting to know other authors and readers, not only now throughout the world, but locally too, that ability that you put your story out there and in doing so, you've really got to be out there talking about it and promoting. And there's so many great support opportunities mm -hmm. through like the Women's Fiction Writers Association, uh, getting linked up with the Bookish Road Trip, uh, just so many different things that I've met authors, sometimes in person at conferences and uh, then locally, I've done more than 50 appearances, just getting out there and talking to people. And it's just felt like uh, such an incredible adventure and a whole new step in my life that I never envisioned all of this going together with getting a book published. I always knew I wanted to have a book published, but now I'm getting three this year. We'll be out there and writing a fourth, a true historical fiction. And it's just just kind of blows my mind how much that it just has enveloped my world. Well, each of you have blown my mind today. I'm so excited to learn more about Shelley Blanton Stroud's book. The particular one we spoke about today was Poster Girl, Laura L. Angle with You'll Forget This Ever Happened, Anne-Marie Jackson with Broken Hummingbird, and Sandra L. Young with Divine Vintage and Divine Dramatic. Thanks for being with me here on the Launchpad. Thank you. This episode is copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for visiting with us on Launchpad. <laughs>